So, hey, listen, my name is Daryl. I am uh, the minister of students here at Cross Life Church. You guys all know, some of you guys, if you haven't been here for a couple weeks, you're like, what happened to Tommy? He got taller and shaved his beard. Um, no, I, Tommy has transitioned into our children's pastor position here. Uh, Brother Barry, who has been here for eight million years, um, retired, and he is now spending time with his grandkids, and he's loving every second of it. Um, but Tommy has now transitioned into that uh, children's pastor position. So in the meantime, uh, I am helping and stepping in and helping work with middle school as well as high school um, and even with college some too in this season. So um, I am so excited to be with you guys. I'm, you're going to see me uh, every couple weeks. I'm going to come in and speak and hang out with you guys and be with you guys. Um, I just want you guys to know my background a little bit. Before I was a, a high school pastor, um, I spent 10 years as a middle school pastor um, in Anchorage, Alaska. So all that to say, um, you're not my first audience of 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. Um, it's actually probably my most comfortable age group to be with because I've spent the majority of my career working with middle schoolers. So um, I love getting to talk with middle schoolers, love getting to hang out with middle schoolers. There's a certain energy in the room with middle school that we don't necessarily get with high school all the time. So I love hang time. I love seeing you guys run around and have a good time. Um, and I'm just pumped to be able to get to spend these extra couple uh, of weeks with you guys um, as we find um, a, a middle school minister um, in the process of all this. So, but tonight we're continuing our series called Pursuit. Uh, Hunter started this series off for us last week. They do a great job, guys, right? We love Hunter. Hunter Bruce, the man, the myth, the legend. He, is, uh, he deserves a better round of applause than that, Marty. Marty is sitting here not applauding. Come on. Marty. Do you believe the disrespect Marty has? Man, unbelievable. No, just kidding. No, we, we love Hunter. We love having him around. Um, and he did a great job last week talking about relationships in the realm of our family and talking about how our relationships should honor our parents and honor our family. And we should have certain types of relationships in that and that God's word is very clear on that and that we have to honor our parents. We have to honor our family. We have to live in a certain way that brings honor and respect to our family name. Uh, and that's honoring God by doing that. Well, tonight, we're going to take a look at another aspect of relationships that most of us have and most of us should have. And you're probably like involved in some of those relationships right now. Um, it is friendships. Friendships are a very, very valuable relationship to have in your life. Like, um, I have some very, very, very close friends. I have friends of mine that honestly are closer than my sibling. I have one older sister, and we're close. Like, we, we know each other really well. We love each other. But, like, I've got friends that I'm way closer to than I am with my sister. Um, and I have, I have friends that are like brothers that are, are extremely, extremely close in my life. And those friendships have been a valuable part of my experience. They have been a valuable part of, of what I've done and how, who I've became. Uh, they've helped develop me as an individual. They've helped develop me as, as a man, as a, as a Christian, as a father, um, as a husband. My friendships have helped mold me into who I am today, um, especially and most importantly, the relationships that are centered on Christ and these friendships that are centered on Christ. Uh, Christ-centered friendships. The friendships that I've had that have lasted the longest, that have been the most impactful, 
are with fellow believers, believers that, that want what's best for me and I want what's best for them. And it's a give and take relationship where we help each other, we guide each other, we, we direct one another. And tonight, we want to take a look at what a good friend should be. Because here's the thing, you guys have all heard the saying probably, and if you haven't, you're about to, is if you want to find a good friend, be a good friend. Anybody ever hear that? Like, if you want to find a good friend, first you've got to be a good friend, because nobody wants to be a friend with a jerk. Can I just throw that out there? I'm gonna, uh, sorry for, like, if it was a little harsh for you, but, like, nobody wants to be a friend with that guy or that girl, if you know what I'm talking about. Like, if, if you're the person that, like, is so mean and so hateful and, like, bitter and, like, everybody that gets around you just gets this look on their face, ugh, either you haven't showered or you're that guy. All right, And we want you guys to be good friends so that you can find great friends. And so tonight, what I want to do is I just want to take a look at Scripture a little bit, and we want to look at what a biblical friend looks like, what a biblical friendship should look like, what are aspects of a friendship that is a positive friendship, what should that include, what should that be, what should that be filled with, all right? What, how can we be a good friend, and what qualities do we need to look for in a good friend? You guys with me? You tracking? Everybody still, like, you're all awake? All right? All eyes up. Eyes on me. All good. Ready? All right? Here we go. Number one. Ready? What does a good friend do? All right? A first, a friend loves you, and not in, like, a weird way. All right? I know, like, you guys get all, I love him, I love you, blah, blah, blah. All right? Um, but, like, in like a godly way, in a biblical way, a way of caring for someone. John 13, 34 through 35 says this. Um, Jesus is Jesus talking. He says, and a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You think Jesus is trying to make a point here? Of Jesus saying multiple times in just two verses, love one another, love each other, care for one another. Be a person that is recognized by your love for others. It is important that as friends that we care for one another. We're commanded to love like Christ's love. We're commanded to love in the way that he did. What does that look like? What does that mean to love like Christ? Because what did Christ do? I mean, Christ is, like, Jesus is the absolute definition of love. I mean, we look at all throughout Scripture, we can see that, where it talks about how, how Jesus loved um, so much that he sent his son to die for, or God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. And Jesus willingly went to the cross and sacrificed his own life so that we can be forgiven of our sins and go to heaven one day when we die. But it's all, like, that's all motivated by his love for his creation, us. So what does it mean to love like Christ? Like when we want to be a good friend and love in the way that we're commanded to, it means that we put our desires and our needs aside. We stop focusing on what we want and we look at what other people need. Let me say that again because I feel like I'm dealing with a pretty selfish crowd. Ready? We stop worrying about what we want and we start focusing on what others need. Because at its simplest form, what others need is the love of Jesus. And if you want to be a good friend, be a reflector of the love of Jesus in your life. 
Love in the way that we're commanded to. Love like Christ. How can we do this? What, how do we be a godly friend? How do we love like Christ? Ready? Buckle up. I got like four points for you. Ready? It's going to be real easy. Number one, step number one, if you're taking notes, if you want to be a good friend for the rest of your life, like you can write this down, you could probably memorize it, you're, you're a smart group, except for that guy. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I did, they're all like, who did he point at? I just pointed past you all. It was just a joke, but really, that guy. Um, and, and so like, here's the thing, you need, you need to understand that these points are very simple application things that you can start right now. Like As you're hearing these, you could put these into action immediately. This isn't like when you get older, this happens. All right, guys? It's not a when this happens, you, you put this in action like when you're 18 or 19 or when you get married or like when you're looking for a best man in your wedding, like that kind of thing. No, like you put this into action now as a middle school student and it'll transform your friendships from here on out. Ready? Number one, first is this, a godly friend will encourage 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says this, Therefore encourage one another, build and build one another up, just as you are doing. We need to be praising accomplishments and encouraging growth. I am an encourager. I love to encourage people. If you've ever seen me at a sporting event, um, you'll hear me before you see me. I'm a yeller. Um, you can ask my kids like when they go to sporting events or like if they're playing. Um, I have a voice that cuts through the crowd. I don't know if you guys knew that. I'm a loud human being. Um, I coached upward basketball. Anybody ever play upward basketball? Um, I coached upward basketball, and I can't tell you how many complaints I got because people were, like, yelling or, like, thought I was yelling at the kids, like, in a mean way, but I was simply, like, yelling instructions across the gym floor, and people thought I was too aggressive in my instructions whatever. I wasn't mad. I was just yelling out like, box out, box out, box out. And they thought I was like being mean. I wasn't. I was just coaching. Um, but I'm an encourager. I love to encourage people. I coached track for years up in Alaska. I, I was a, a throws coach, shot put in discus. And, and like, I love to like come alongside someone. Like one of my favorite things is when my athlete would throw a personal best. Like, they would, they would throw the best throw they've ever thrown in their lives. And, man, like, we would party. And it didn't matter if they finished in, like, first place or eighth place. If they set a personal record, we were celebrating. We were encouraging that person. And, guys, listen, a good friend is going to celebrate accomplishments. They're going to encourage growth. They're going to insist, assist one another in their lives. But here's the thing. I need you to understand this. You don't do it just for the sake of, like, fake encouragement. You don't sugarcoat stuff, all right? You don't sugarcoat stuff, but you always point towards God in all things. You want to encourage people in their growth, encourage people in their walk with Christ. Don't just make stuff up and be like, you look great today, and they look terrible. Like, you don't have to lie to them, like, but just encourage them. Be like, man, you are such a beautiful God's, cre like, one of God's beautiful creations, because that's not a lie. They are. You were created in his image. Like, you can, like, give compliments when they don't, you don't, can't think of compliments. You can dig them up and be honest, all right? But encourage people. A good friend will encourage another. Scripture tells us as Christians we need to be encouraging. We need to be pointing people towards Christ through the way we encourage and assist one another in the way that we live our lives. Ready? Number one, encourage. Number two, ready? If you want to be a good, godly friend, here's step number two. Be honest. Be honest. Nobody likes a liar. Anybody ever been lied to? Is there like, there's like very few feelings that are, are worse than someone you thought was your friend lying to you. 
or lying about you, right? Like nobody likes that. We need to be honest. We need to be truthful, guys. A good friend will be honest um, in them. But also, here's the thing, guys. Listen, honesty goes beyond not telling lies. Honest is, being honest is sometimes sharing the harsh truth and harsh reality and confronting someone when they're doing something wrong. And being honest with them. And calling them out on it. And, and, coming, and even when it's hard to hear, you need to be honest with people. They'll call you out when you need truth spoken into your life. You need friends like this in your life that will be real with you. I have friends like this in my life. That if they see me messing up, if they see me screwing around or doing things I, they know I'm not supposed to be doing, they'll call me on it. They'll be honest with me. These are the kind of friendships we need in order to grow, in order to be as effective as we possibly can be in our faith. Surround yourself with people that will be honest with you. Speak truth in love. And it's not to point out flaws in people's lives, but to help them realize their shortcomings so that they can grow in them and correct them. You're not honest with them to be a jerk. You're honest with them to help them grow. Number one, encourage. Number two, be honest. Ready? Number three, and this one is difficult. A good godly friend will forgive. A godly friend is going to forgive. Every single one of us in here will screw up in a friendship at some point or another. You're going to make a mistake. Your friend is going to make a mistake. You're going to make someone angry. Someone's going to make you angry. Like, those things happen. We're human beings. We have emotions. We have, like, these situations that are going to happen in our lives. But here's the thing. A good godly friend is going to forgive them. A good godly friend is not going to harbor bitterness or hold on to grudges in their lives. Colossians 3.13 says this. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, catch this next part, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. There's some weight in that statement there, guys. I need you to understand this. Like, pay attention. Lock in for me for a second. Ready? Like, Christ forgives us and forgives our sins. The sins that we're sending us to hell, right? He forgives those sins. Hey, guys, thank you. I see you. The lights aren't that bright. I can actually see you guys. You need to understand, like, Christ forgave us of sin that was worthy of death and a death sentence, a separation from God in hell, right? He forgives that, yet we don't forgive a friend who forgot to call us on our birthday. Or that wouldn't, um, like, give them something that they wanted. Or that, like, maybe, like, hung out with someone else rather than them on a Friday night. Like, all those things. Like, you, the list goes on and on of what causes this dissension among friends. Guys, we need to get over it. Because there's bigger things in this world to be upset about than little tiny, like, grudges in our lives that are going to cause bitterness. And the bitterness only hurts you. Unforgiveness only hurts the one that's harboring it. No one else is affected by that. 
That's on you. You're only making your life worse by holding on to that bitterness. So a good friend will forgive as Christ forgave. And then my final point, ready? So we need to encourage, we need to be honest, we need to forgive, ready? A good godly friend brings out the best. What do I mean by that? Well, we can go to scripture very easily and look at Proverbs 27, 17. I love the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is full of wisdom. If you're ever looking for something just to read daily, like something that you could just go to every day and like have a schedule to read, I highly recommend the book of Proverbs because you will get something out of it every time you read it, something that you can apply to your life right then and there. And in Proverbs 27, um, verse number 17, there's one of my favorite, like, illustrations that, that the author in Proverbs ever, ever uses in like how friendships should work. Ready? Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. You guys ever hear that? You guys know at all what that means? Probably not because none of you have cooked in a kitchen before. All right, let me explain. How many of you guys have ever been in a kitchen and you've seen like a big knife, Right? Yeah, okay, good. We're all tracking like you guys are awake, all right? So you've seen that big knife. And if I were to take that knife and go outside and, like, take it to the sidewalk, right? And if I were to, like, just take the knife and just beat the snot out of the the sharp edge of that blade on that sidewalk, what's going to happen to the edge of that blade? It's going to get dull, right? It's going to get dinked. It's going to get bent. It's going to get flattened. Like, it's just, it's going to become worthless at that point, right? Like, that, that knife at that point is going to not be able to accomplish the task at hand. Like, if I were to take that knife outside, beat the snot out of it on the sidewalk, get it all dull and flat and all mangled, right? And I were to take a tomato. I love tomatoes. Anybody else a tomato fan? If you don't love tomatoes, you need Jesus. All right? So, you take, you take this tomato, shh, 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 all right? You take this tomato and you put it out on the cutting board and you're getting ready to make a, a, a God's gift to human sandwiches, a mater and mayo sandwich on Wonder white bread with a little salt and pepper, all right? If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to get saved, all right? But so, like, you take that, you take that knife that we've beat the snot out of on the sidewalk, right? And you go up to that, that, that juicy tomato that is, like, going to make the, like, the brightest red tomato you can imagine. You're about to make this sandwich. You need to slice those, those slices, like, perfectly straight and thin, and you go to take that knife, that first cut into that tomato, guess what's going to happen? That tomato is just going to go, and it's going to, like, it's just going to, and the more you try to cut it, the more of a mess you're going to make, and you're not going to have tomato slices anymore. You're going to have a tomato mash sitting on that, on that cutting board, and nobody likes to eat a tomato mash sandwich. Like, it needs to be a sliced tomato with mayonnaise, with pepper and salt, and on like a fresh piece of white Wonder Bread, and where it's just, oh, so good, right? And you do all these things, but like, without a sharp knife, all right, with that dull, beat-up knife, that knife can't accomplish the task at hand. It can't do what it was built to do because it's not sharp. Here in Scripture, when, God, when the author in Proverbs says, iron sharpens iron, he's referring to the sharpening process of a sword or a knife. 
Because if you've ever been in the kitchen and you look at that like knife block, I'm, almost every kitchen in America has one, all right? You've got this knife block with like the bottom row is steak knives, then you've got like the three knives that you never really know what to use for, and then you've got like the big knife, right? And you pull that big knife out, and usually next to the big knife, there's this like metal rod. As I, when I was a kid, I thought it was like a stabbing thing, like, like home protection. Somebody breaks into my house, I'm grabbing the metal rod out of the, out of the block, and I'm stabbing somebody, like... I would just, like, throw it into their jugular and win, all right? Listen, I was, like, your height at four. I don't want to talk about it, all right? And I thought it was going to work, all right? And, and so I, I – but when you take that metal rod out, guys, listen, here's what that metal rod is. It's a sharpener. Guess what? It's made from the same material as the knife because when you take the rough edge of that rod – and you run it at an angle across the edge of that blade of that, of that knife, guess what happens? It shears off just that little bit of metal. The imperfection on that blade gets removed. And then you do it on the other side, and the other side gets peeled back, and it becomes as sharp as you can possibly, and you do it a couple times, right? You get it to where it's like razor, razor sharp. And then you take that big, giant, juicy tomato, and you throw it on that cutting board, and you just real slowly, like, push that knife through the edge of the tomato, and it just slides through, like, a hot knife through room temperature butter, right? And it's just like, and then you take the next slice, right? And, 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 you, and, you, and you slice through the next one, and, and if you do it right, the, the, the tomato slice, if you slice it thin enough, it doesn't just fall over, it, like, curls over. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, it's just like ever so perfectly, and if it's just ripe enough, it just falls, and you, and you slice up the entire tomato. And at the end of it, guess what you have? You've got a perfectly sliced tomato with hardly any mess, because when you don't smush the tomato with an unsharp blade, and the blade is sharpened, and it does what it's supposed to do, and it cuts the tomato perfectly, you end up with the finished product that you want. The same thing goes in friendships. A good friend will make another friend better. As iron sharpens iron, as that, as that little spear thing in the knife block makes that knife sharper, so do we as Christians make each other better. We encourage each other. We pray for one another. We lift one another up. We are going to help each other get better. We're going to help each, bring the best out of each other so that we can accomplish, guys, listen to me, what we have been created to do. An, un, an unsharpened knife, a dull knife cannot do anything. I don't know if you've ever tried to like, cut anything with a dull knife or a dull pair of scissors or like those dumb safety scissors that you had in kindergarten you tried to cut paper with and all it does is like, fold the paper. You guys know what I'm talking about? Those little plastic things that your fingers never fit in, right? right? Like Those things, they don't serve a purpose because they're not sharp. But when things are sharp, when knives are sharp, when scissors are sharp, you can do what those tools have been created for. And as Christians, when we're sharpened, when we're, when we're encouraged, when we're in our best, when we're built up and we have friends around us that are discipling us, that are encouraging us, that are honest with us. Guys, listen, you will be sharp. And when you are sharp, you can accomplish so much for the kingdom of God. Our relationships with each other are so valuable because they will make you sharper. My hope and prayer is that when you come through these doors on a Wednesday night or on a Sunday morning, when you come to church or small groups, you're not just coming to 
play games and eat pizza. But you're coming not just to be sharpened, but to sharpen others. It's a two-way street. My hope and prayer is that every single one of us, guys, listen, will be able to make each other sharper. It requires work. It requires commitment to each other. But I'm telling you, when you surround yourself with godly friends that are honest with you, that encourage you, that forgive you, then you will be the sharpest you can be, and God will use you in a mighty, mighty way. So that's my challenge to us tonight, that every single one of us will be sharpened, that every single one of us will be surrounded by a body of believers. Because guess what, guys? By sitting in this room, you're surrounded by people that are able to help sharpen you. You're, you're surrounded by people that are able to encourage you, to pray for you, to challenge you, to lift you up. You're not too young. You're not too inexperienced. Like, you can be a good friend as a sixth grader. You could be a great friend as an eighth grader and a seventh grader. Like, it doesn't matter where you are in life. You can be a good, godly and that's my challenge to us all, is that we would leave this place and we would pursue healthy friendships. We would pursue God-centered, Christ-centered relationships and friendships so that God can use us in the best way we possibly can be used because we'll be sharpened. As the band comes up and we get ready to worship I'm going to pray for us here in a second. But I want you to evaluate yourself here in a sec for a minute. Every eye closed, every head bowed, nobody's looking around, nobody's messing around. If you are a Christian, which I know a lot of you are, most of you are, I want you to evaluate your friendships that you've had. Evaluate the interactions that you've had with your friends over the last, I don't know, couple weeks. Have those interactions, guys, helped make others better? Can those interactions be described as encouraging, honest? Can those interactions be, be characterized with forgiveness? Have your friendships drawn others closer to Jesus or farther away? Because a good godly friend is going to draw people closer. They're going to make them sharper. They're going to encourage them and challenge them to grow in their faith. So as we sing and we close tonight, I want to challenge you. First off, I want to challenge you while we're singing to actually be respectful to those that are on stage and take this time to talk to God. You could use this time to pray. You could use this time to sing. You could use this time to focus your heart and your mind on who he is and how you could be a better godly friend. 
But maybe there's somebody, as I was talking about the forgiveness area earlier, that you need to forgive. Maybe they're in this room tonight. Maybe you need to go to them before you leave tonight and say, man, I just want to say I'm sorry. Sorry for harboring bitterness. Forgive you. I hope you'll forgive me. And then I just, I hope and pray that as we leave here today, we would be a group of people, a group of students that's characterized by godly friendships, by godly relationships. I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for your word, the way that it challenges us, the way that it guides us the way that it directs us. God, I thank you for these students in this room, Lord. I pray that you would help us all to be good, godly friends. Lord, I pray that we would pursue healthy friendships. Lord, that we would pursue healthy relationships with one another. Lord, that we would point people towards Christ. Lord, that we would be honest, that we would forgive, that we would encourage, Lord, but that we would sharpen. We would make each other better. Lord, that we would draw people into a relationship with you through our friendships. Or that we would love so well that people can't help but see the love of Christ in us. God, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet, guys. Let's be respectful. And let's worship together.